You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. bless you. I'm so excited that you are here. What a joy to be together with you on this Sunday morning. We are in a series entitled Revelation, and uh, it's been a series based on seven letters that Jesus wrote to the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor, and the seven churches are on the postal route, and what would happen was uh, a letter just like normal would be delivered. I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we look at Revelation and we think it's all figurative, not understanding that this was quite literally seven letters that were written to these seven churches. And these letters came on the postal route and we've been studying each church. We've been studying the church at Smyrna, the church at Ephesus. Last week we saw the uh, church at Patmos and uh, um, this week we're going to look at the letter to the church at Thyatira. Now, at last week when we talked about the letter that they received, uh, we talked a little bit about each city and each city has had its own unique contribution uh, Last week we said that the city was a city where uh, there was political clout political power The week before that they had a uh, city of Smyrna where we talked about a, a, a Spice and herb that was from there that was famous and we talked about Ephesus was where uh, there was wealth and material things But if we were to talk about the city of Thyatira the best way to talk about the city of Thyatira it would be a city that would be what we would call in the Rust Belt. It'd be over in flyover country. Because the city of Thyatira, there was nothing special about it. If, if you said you were from Thyatira, which in the book of Acts that we studied last year, the apostle Paul won to Christ a woman by the name of Lydia. She was a seller of purple. And it says that she was from Thyatira. Many people believe and scholars believe she actually goes back and she's a part of this church that we're going to study. But she was from Thyatira. There's nothing significant about Thyatira. I heard one pastor say, Thyatira is like Flint, Michigan. Nothing special about it, okay? Just nothing. You would, you would not say, oh, I'm headed for a vacation. Where are you going? I'm going to Thyatira. No, you're not, you're not going there. But yet there was something interesting about Thyatira that there was a great church that was there. And God speaks about this church and what was happening in this church. And I want to dive right into it. But as we turn to the book of Revelation, chapter number two, I want to give just a word of warning. You say, what's the word of warning? This passage of scripture is very descriptive. And I think most of you already probably got the memo. I recommend you sell, send them to Rich Kids. Uh, only because I don't want you to have an uh, uh, unpleasant conversation on the ride home. Uh, you know, my... my son was watching the movie we bought a zoo anybody ever seen that movie we bought a zoo it's a good family movie right or so we thought well uh i didn't grow up watching subtitles on the television did any of you grow up watching subtitles on the television aside from my wife that's right one person here i know grew up watching subtitles so she has trained our kids to watch movies and subtitles i said it's in english they they can but our kids like watching no matter what they're watching they like the subtitles on 
Except for now, not only are they hearing bad words, they can read the bad words, all right? So I was like, this is double whammy. So breakfast, Saturday morning, my son Austin politely, you know, very courteous, spells out the profane word from we bought a zoo. Hey, mom, what is da 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 And I was just like, that was you. You said let, you, you said let him watch the zoo. So I, I, I left. I left. I, I dodged the bullet, but I don't want you to have an awkward conversation. So we asked our children's pastor if uh, children uh, 13 and younger can go up to Ridge Kids. So you can. It's on the second floor if you'd like to. Only because the scripture itself is descriptive. And there's nothing wrong with scripture, but I believe that there should be an age of accountability when you as a parent should have control about what your child hears, okay? I know that sometimes when you send your ch child to school, you say, hey, they're in second and third grade. They don't need to hear that. And you kind of expect the teacher not to. This is kind of my trigger warning, okay? I just want to let you know that the scripture passage gets descriptive, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it really helps with the context of the words that this church was written. So with that word of warning, let's dive in. Now, some of you are even more curious and your kids are more curious. Your kids are like, I'm not going, I'm staying here. I, I wanna know what he says because there are two subjects that everybody likes it when the pastor preaches on it. Everybody likes it when the pastor preaches on sex and then they like it when he preaches on revelation. But when you put sex and revelation together, all of a sudden everybody wins, right? So that's really what this passage is all about. I told you we were going to go there pretty quick, okay? So you had time to bail. You had time to run. And uh, that time has passed. But Revelation chapter number 2, let's begin reading in verse number 18. Notice if you would, verse number 18. Here's what the Bible says. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God. Now, if you highlight your Bible, your underline, I would love for you to highlight that portion of Scripture, the Son of God. And this is important for several reasons. If you are an apologist or you have a hard time defending the faith and you have a coworker, or a neighbor, or a friend who is Jehovah's Witness, they will tell you something like this. They will say, Jesus never called himself the Son of God. You ever heard that from, from them? Jehovah's Witnesses will say it and uh, Muslims will say it. Jesus never called himself the Son of God. This is Jesus calling himself the son of God. He also did it in uh, John chapter number four. He also called himself the son of God. But yet sometimes we see little things like that. And we, don't, we don't understand that, wait a minute, this is bigger. Jesus is calling himself the son of God. This is also re relevant to this culture in Thyatira because it was a coin that coin would say the son of God. Now you say, what do you mean there was a coin that said the son of God? yes. In this city, they believed that Apollo was the son of God in Thyatira. So Jesus is making a point. He's saying, hey, I know your currency says the son of God. I'm telling you who is the son of God. So he's speaking here with authority. He's saying, I'm the son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Verse 19, I know your works, your love your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Verse 19 is amazing. Jesus is talking to this church and saying, I know your works. You guys are great. I know your love. Didn't the first church at Ephesus, they had works but no love? They had 
uh, uh, truth but no grace. Here's a church that you would have loved to walk into. You would have just been like, man, they are growing in love. They're growing in good works. And he talks about their patience, talks about their faith. And he's saying, hey, you're doing it more now than you were at the first. So this is a growing church. This is a healthy, thriving church. And that's what we want Southridge to be, a healthy, thriving church growing church one where you enjoy coming to but not only do you enjoy it you know that i can bring my friends and family and they're going to meet a loving savior and they're not only going to experience a helpful and encouraging message but also they're going to be encounter the truth but notice that's where the good news ends verse 20 says nevertheless i have a few things against you because you allow that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the mind and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule with a rod of iron, They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. question I want you to ponder this morning, and the question is, is Jesus tolerant? Don't answer out loud, but just think for a second. Is Jesus tolerant? Because you can ask your friend, your coworker, your neighbor, and you can ask the question, hey, is Jesus tolerant? And I guarantee you nine out of ten times they're going to say, yeah, Jesus is tolerant. God, not so much, but Jesus is tolerant. Jesus loves everybody. And does Jesus love everybody? Absolutely. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus does. That is true. But there's more to it than that. Jesus, when it comes to tolerance, I think we have become, in a sense, more tolerant than Jesus is. You say, why? Jesus wrote this letter to Thyatira. And does Jesus accept this church? Yes, he accepts this church. But does he approve everything this church is doing? Absolutely not. But yet we live in a culture and a society where tolerance is the watchword, isn't it? I mean, if you're intolerant, well, that's not tolerable. And there's nothing worse than being intolerant. And today, the church has become neutered with the fact that we've been beaten by tolerance. Because everybody is saying, oh, you got to be tolerant. You can't, you can't say that. You can't, you can't hold to that. You can't ascribe that. The only problem is we have become more tolerant than Jesus. Let's give a little backstory. You see, in Thyatira, this is a city of guilds. Guilds were basically the unions of today. Only problem was if you lived in Thyatira, there was no way for you to get work unless you were in the guild. Unions used to be stronger. Now we still have unions. You got the police union, firemen's union, you got electrician union. You got all kinds of unions. But in this day and age, you did not work if you weren't a part of the guild. 
And specifically, you had the metallurgy guilds, you had the brass guilds, you had all these guilds. And this city was a blue-collar city that was filled with different guilds. And one of the things about these guilds was if you were a part of a guild, that was your whole religious structure, your social structure, your anything you did happened within the guild. You could almost say they operated more like a mafia or a gang. Because if you were sick, they took care of you. If you needed something, they took care of you. If you needed money, you, you went there. If you were going to marry somebody, you went there. If you needed work, that's who you went through. Your guild was your life. Understand that. Guild was life. But here's one of the things about the guild. The guild would throw these wild parties. History recounts Thyatira's parties. Las Vegas, Reno has nothing on Thyantyre's parties. You see, after work, what they would do is if you are part of a guild, one of the ways they would get you to be a part of their guild, almost like, uh, you know, Greek rush. It's like, man, we want to show you that our frat fraternity is the fraternity you want to be a part of, so we want you to see how fun it is to be a part of our fraternity. That's the way the guilds operated. So they would throw these wild parties. You'll see that Jesus specifically tells this woman Jezebel that I will make you sick and I will throw you on a couch. See, what would happen at these uh, wild parties is every guild had their God. And you would worship the God. You would offer sacrifices to the God. And uh, after that, then you would eat, you would drink, and then it would turn into a wild orgy. And what would happen is they would have couches all over the room after you would eat. And you would just find somebody and you just, it, just let it begin. Didn't, didn't matter if they, you were married to them. Didn't matter if you were dating with them. Didn't matter if they were male or female. Anything went at these parties. Anything you could imagine. And it would just go on for days and days and days and days. It was disgusting, to say the least. It was eroding the culture in Thyatira. And what Jesus is talking about, he's saying, hey, guys, there's that woman Jezebel. Now, mark it down. That's not her actual name but it's talking about the spirit that she has. Based on the Old Testament queen by that name, Jezebel was so wicked, she led the nation of Israel, her husband was King Ahab, in the exact same godless, wicked practices of instituting a religion that that religion revolved around sexual exploits. And then because of all the promiscuity, there was a lot of children, and they didn't know what to do with all the children, so that's where... Baal worship, and you would offer these children to Baal in human sacrifice. So this horrible thing that was happening, but they called it Jezebel's spirit. And Jesus is saying to this church, hey, guess what? You have that same spirit in that woman. Now, some theologians were trying to decipher who they believe it was. Many believe it's the pastor's wife. Uh, Thank God that my my wife is not like that at all. We don't have to worry about that. At all, all right? She's actually antisocial. She doesn't like throwing parties. I'm the one who likes to throw parties, okay? So she would rather organize a closet or a garage or a shed, okay? So unless it's an organization party, she ain't going, okay? All right? But this day and age, they think this could have been the pastor's wife. They also, some believe it could be Lydia that she had fallen from grace. One of the two. These are the two people they think it could have been. Now, that's not scripture. That's just theologians to just saying who this woman was. We don't actually know her name. We know her influence. That she took this church and said, hey guys, I don't know why, why are you stressing out? Your guilt's throwing that party. 
hey, go enjoy the party. Just make sure you're at church on Sunday. What was she doing? She was saying, you could do both. Didn't we say last week that compromise leads to corruption? You see, last week was a compromising church. This is just a full-blown corrupted church. She was saying, hey, it all goes. It's all good. She was tolerant. It's all good. What, why are we stressing out? Her min, m, m, mindset was this. We got to be like them to win them. That was her mentality. And a lot of times, Christians, we adopt that same mentality, don't we? Well, we got to win them, so I'll act just like them. Understand, my friend, sometimes Satan will say, oh, you think you're better than them because you don't do the things they do. No, I know I'm worse than them. I just know Jesus has saved me and cleansed me and redeemed me from that, and I know how bad I can actually be. I stay away from it. It's not that I think I'm better. I actually know I'm worse than them because I have an accurate view of self. And so I don't need that. So what was happening was there was this tolerance that was in the church. And here's the thing. Tolerance has gone from a value to the highest virtue in our culture. It used to be a value, but now it's a virtue. If you're not tolerant, oh, man, something's wrong. You see, Christians cannot be tolerant of all things because Jesus Christ is not tolerant of all things. I think too many times we forget that, that Jesus Christ is not tolerant of all things. Jesus wrote this letter, and he's saying we're not to be tolerant of all things. So write this down if you're taking notes, would you? Tolerance had become toxic. Tolerance had become toxic. Notice verse number 20 says, because you allow, you tolerate that woman Jezebel. You see, our culture today now believes that intolerance is intolerable. Uh, you may judge me. You may look differently after I tell you this story, but I'm going to share something with you. It's maybe a little bit embarrassing. It may even gross you out, okay? But just bear with me. Friday night, my wife and I were going to go out to a new restaurant, and uh, Costco sells gift cards. So I was like, we're going to go to Costco because if you give Costco 80 bucks, you get $100 at that restaurant. So let's do it that. Let's go cheaper. She's like, how romantic. And I was like, I know, right? Uh, it's awesome. <laughs> Guys are clueless sometimes, right? So we're going to go to this French restaurant, La Forêt. And I was like, oh, I think foray is like a, an adventure. She's like, it means forest. I was like, oh, okay. So we drive way out into Almaden Valley, just way out there. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. We're going to La Foray. Yeah, yes, let's do this. We're, we're just driving out there. Anybody been to La Foray? Oh, man, there a lot of you have. Okay, you should have warned me. Anyway, uh, so we're going out to this restaurant. We got a reservation. We get there, and I'm excited. It was, it was Creekside Dining, you know, and so we're sitting there. We're eating, but our reservation was later because of our babysitter, 730, and we're outside, starting to get a little bit darker, and they were slow. The food was good, but they were slow, very slow. Apparently, that's just kind of a French thing. They just, they want you to enjoy yourself. Take your time. I was like, but I'm on the clock with my babysitter, so I don't got too much time, all right? So you need to hurry it up here. And uh, so I'm starting to kind of eat quick, and then I, I put my fork into my vegetables, and then I kind of pull it, and I started to put it in my mouth, but I noticed there's something attached to my vegetables to the plate. And I had a split-second decision, because there was a hair that went from that thing on my fork to the plate. My wife's enjoying it. And I was like, man, if she sees that there's a hair in this food, it's going to ruin everything. It's, she's not going to be able to eat. Our whole night is ruined. Maybe the after party will be ruined. All kinds of things might be ruined. So, so I did what any man would do. All right? I just I did it. I just did it. All right? I told you, you're going to look differently on me. 
all right? You may, I grew up with seven other siblings. We all shared everything, okay? So I was like, it, 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 so I was just like, be a man, just, you know, and everything. And I was just like, oh, just getting it down. And then later I told her, she was like, what? She couldn't believe it. She was like, I can't believe you did that. I was like, yeah. She was like, you're going to tell the owner. I was like, I'm not going to tell the owner. I was like, there's all these people around. They're all going to freak out, you know, and it's this nice restaurant. It's after COVID. They're trying to bounce back. I was like, I don't care. It's a hair. All right? It's not Ebola. I, I, I was like, he probably cooked out any corona on it anyway, okay? I was like, I'm not worried about it, you know? It's probably a vaccinated hair anyway, all right? We're good. We're good. And I'm just like, just down the hatch, right? And my wife was like, I can't believe you tolerated that. Isn't it amazing what we can start to tolerate? Isn't it amazing if I were to bake you some brownies and I'd say, hey, I got these brownies. And i say, hey, yeah, you know what, though? Uh, uh, there's, there's just, I noticed I have uh, mice in my house. And, you know, some of the mice may have gotten into those brownies. But enjoy. What can you tolerate? He said, not that. Not that. Uh-uh. I can't tolerate that. I can't tolerate hair in my food. I can't tolerate mouse droppings. I can't tolerate germs. I can't tolerate the server coming over and delivering my food without a mask. Go get a mask and then bring my food to me. Go make the whole thing over. You know, and, and it's just, we, we, we don't tolerate these things. I've realized this. You and I are more tolerant, we are less tolerant with our food than anything else about our lives. You don't like gluten. You don't like GMO. You don't like hairs in your food? I'm, my goodness, so picky. <laughs> You're so intolerant towards the food you put in your body, but yet you are so tolerant with what you allow to happen to your body. Because culture has said, you are just matter that does not matter. That's what culture has been telling our, our, gen, our, our young people. Evolution, you evolved. You're just matter that does not matter. It's just a body. Do whatever you want with your body. That's what she was saying. It's just a body. Sleep with them, do that. Go to, go to these wild orgies. Just go have a good time. It's okay. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. You as a Christian are more tolerant than Jesus Christ. And the church today has become more tolerant than Jesus is. And we wonder why we've lost our power and our influence. We wonder why this church was about to have its influence removed, its candlestick removed, because tolerance had become toxic. Please write this down. You get more of what you tolerate. You understand that, right? If you tolerate a whiny, rebellious, disrespectful, dishonoring child, you get more of that. Unless you nip it in the bud. Unless you do what my mom did. Doesn't matter if you're on the one-on-one. Park the car, get out. Get out. You're walking home. Like, not, that attitude's not happening. I kid you not. My brother Josh, Caleb, and myself, we're getting out of my dad's golden tercel. And we're, <laughs> no, we will behave, we'll behave, you know. Because my mom, she didn't put up for it. She was like, I'm not, you, you want to fight? Go ahead, walk home. Nowadays, they, the police and everything, they take your children, right? right? It's like, no, I can't have none of that. That's real parenting right there. That's all I'm saying. That's just real stuff. But today, look at all the things we tolerate in our children. I see couples just tolerating, backbiting, tolerating things, tolerating things, tolerating things. They're like, man, my relationship is struggling. Why? Look what you're tolerating. You get more of what you tolerate. You see, when you tolerate things, you are teaching people how to treat you. You understand that, right? You see, the church is telling the world around them, here's how you can treat us. We just, we just, we just tolerate everything because Jesus is tolerant. No, he isn't, my friend. 
Jesus never once said, I tolerate sin. Jesus never once. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, I don't even wink at sin. You know how we do that? It's okay. You can get by. It's not grandma with extra cookies. It's okay, an extra cookie. Jesus is not doing that at your sin or my sin. But yet we've got a church today. When I talk about church, big C church, it's like, oh, man, you can mess around all you want to. Oh, man, you can have a little sin. What can you tolerate? Well, you get more of what you tolerate. Are you tolerating things in your marriage that you know you shouldn't? Look, I'm not going to put myself on a pedestal here, but this is going to sound like I am, but don't take it like this. I want you to take it as you're listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life and take responsibility for it. I was watching a popular show called Loki on, on Disney+, Plus, and I really liked the show. I thought it was a great show until I got to episode two. And then Loki started talking about how he dates boys, he dates girls, it's all good, and this. And then I was like, I'm watching this with my son, and I was like, it's going over his head, so I think, but it's not, though. It's starting to him to tolerate something that I don't want him to tolerate. Because God made male and female. That's what he made. And nowadays we have a culture that says cisgender, binary, non-binary, this, that, this, LGBTQ+, and it goes on. And the church, I understand that when we say here's what the Bible says, we are labeled bigot, racist, all these things. And so the church doesn't want to be seen as all that. But yet at the same time, God's word does lay a standard out. As a matter of fact, when in this passage, when, he, when Jesus is teaching the church, and notice in, in verse number 21 it says, And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. In the Greek, the word is pornea. Does that sound like another word? Porn, pornography? You see, understand, pornea is any sex outside of a covenant marriage between a man and woman. God says it's pornea. It's sexual perversion. That's not my definition. That is God's definition. But here's what I'm noticing. We are noticing suicide on the rise. You know the fastest growing demographic, depression and suicides on the rise? LGBTQ. Could it be a correlation between when you are so confused about who you are and your identity? And this is not the church trying to bash. This is just saying God has a way. And we as a church need to say, look, we love you. Jesus loves you. But understand, there is a right way and a wrong way. When you step outside of it, there's consequences. How much are we willing to tolerate? You say, I just think we should be just tolerant all across the board. Okay, there is no such thing as total tolerance. You say, yes, there is. No, there's not. This week, get on an airplane like my wife is on Southwest, headed to Florida. She's going to leave me. No, she's not. She's going to take care of her uh, sister's baby and all that. She's going to be gone. It's just six days. But imagine she's on that plane. And she says, nah, nah, with her mask. How tolerant do you think that stewardess is going to be? It's just a mask. How much more? Do you think if she were to get up, unbuckle, walk over to the door as that 35,000 feet cruising over the flyover states and then grabs that handle and starts trying to open it, how tolerant do you think the stewardess and the pilots are going to be towards her and the air marshal? There's no such thing as total tolerance. Our culture wants you to believe that there is total acceptance, total tolerance. Everybody has a line, but what we're seeing in culture today is a rapidly eroding line. Open marriages, you're seeing people getting married to all kinds of things. You think, well, that's cuckoo. That's crazy. I'm now seeing guys that are trying to breastfeed babies on 
TikTok. And you're like, what? What? And they were like, well, you know, anybody could do it. You know, we got to be very inclusive. I'm just like, I don't want a doctor who thinks that I can, I mean, the ridiculous and absurdity that I could nurse my children. Like, that it puts an image in my mind that I'm just like, but that's culture is just, we're going that way. We're, we're headed that way. And I'm saying it's because we are, we are so tolerant. And this is not for us to blast culture. This is for us to say, look inside of the church and just say, hey, I'm born again Christian. What am I tolerating? I was convicted about Loki, so I haven't seen the end of the series. You find your convictions. But I don't want my children influenced by that. So I stopped watching the show. And guess what? I'm okay. I took social media off my phone. Guess what? I did not explode. I didn't die. I'm, I'm okay. I, I don't have to have it. Somebody asked me the other day. They were like, oh, do you drink? And I was like, no, you don't want to see me drinking. I was like, you don't want to see it. He said, why? Because I was like, I have a highly addictive personality. I don't need another sin in my life. I don't need it. I don't want it. It's not because I think I'm better. I actually know I'm weaker. So i got to stay away from these things as far away as I can. But the church is starting to get as close to the line as we think we can. We're like the Instagram influencers trying to get that selfie on the edge of Angel's Landing in Zion. And it's like, how, how, how far can I get out there? And we wonder how they fell. Because they wanted to get as close to the edge. And Christians are becoming casualties because we're saying, in the name of tolerance, understand, this scripture tells us plainly, it says, I gave her time to repent. But in verse 20, it says, this woman who calls herself a prophetess. I think we need to be careful by those who are self-proclaimed experts. That's what she called herself, a prophetess. Jesus doesn't call her that. He doesn't call her a pastor, doesn't call her anything. It says she's calling herself that, and you guys are listening to it. There are these influencers out in culture that they're the self-proclaimed experts. Hey, Oprah will give you all kinds of advice on your marriage, won't she? She's never been married. How many people listen to her? How many people get all kinds of parenting advice from Oprah? Just raising up kids? None, none of that. How much influence are these people having? And we step back and we're like, wait a minute. They're a self-proclaimed expert of what? Of what? And we as a church are just like, oh, that sounds good. Let's, let's follow that. And here's this woman, and she's just corrupting this church. First of all, don't tolerate false teaching. You see, we don't want this Jezebel-type spirit. I was listening to an interview. Actually, I was watching Man vs. Wild, and Terry Crews was on there. You know Terry Crews, super buff. Man, I was like, yeah, Terry Crews is the man. And he was talking to uh, Bear Grylls. I, just, I don't know, something about Bear Grylls. just awesome. And Terry Crews was talking to Bear Grylls about satisfying, things that satisfy, and uh, his relationship. And he said, hey, uh, porn was destroying my marriage. It ruined my marriage. Porn ruined it. And then he said something profound. He said, there was not enough porn in the world to satisfy me. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, for the eyes of man are never satisfied. There's nothing that can satisfy you. You think, if I just have enough money, if I just have enough this or that, it's never going to satisfy. But yet we have a culture that says tolerate it all. Then you're going to be satisfied. No, we have a less satisfied culture. All our needs are met. Quite honestly, you don't need to work a job. You don't have to pay for anything. You, the government will take care of you from cradle to the grave. You don't have to do anything. And you would think we'd be satisfied. You'd think we'd be okay. Are we? 
No, we're having to self-medicate ourselves. Alcohol sales all-time high. A drug and opioid addiction all-time high. We're having to legalize this stuff in the street. We're having to legalize prostitution in San Francisco. We are having to legalize that you can just shoot up in the streets in San Francisco and nobody's going to do nothing. We're, we're having to legalize it because it's just so rampant. We think, well, that'll cure the problem. Just remove the restriction. That's, that's not it. We, growing up, my dad had these chickens, and he wanted to put a fence around it, keep the foxes out. You don't put the fox in the chicken coop and say, hey, don't eat those chickens. The fox has a nature that says, I like chicken. Deep fried or not, I'll eat chickens. I have a nature that says I like to sin, and you have a nature that says you like to sin. We got it from our great, 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 great grandfather, Adam. Because of his sin, it's passed down upon all people. And I know Lady Gaga's got a song that says born that way, but I'm here to tell you, Jesus said you may have been born that way, but you need to be reborn a new way. John 3.16 to Nicodemus. You need to be born again. There's a new birth you need to have. You may say, I was born this way. Okay, let's say you were born that way. But Jesus doesn't want you to stay that way. He says there's a new birth that needs to happen, and it needs to happen to all of us. All of us need to be born again. And if you have not made that decision today, let that be the day. I know this is a tough message. I know it's hard because we just, we just want to be tolerant. I want to be tolerant. But understand this. Private compromise always leads to public collapse. Always does. There's nothing that you do in secret that won't be brought out into the light. But I thought about why is tolerance so big? Why, why does it seem like tolerance is just sweeping everybody right now, right? Just, there used to be, it seemed like, some some fixed lines, true north, that the church has kind of agreed on. And now I'm watching this next generation. And did you know one out of every six Gen Zers say they're LGBTQ now? Statistically, that's impossible unless you factor in that there's societal pressure to be LGBTQ. You say, man, you sound like you're on a kick right now. It may sound like that, but I'm fighting for the next generation that's being swept up in this, and it's going to be years and years of heartbreak and damage and years and years of surgeries that alter that you can't take back. And we just think, well, the Bible, Jesus just accepts everybody. Jesus accepts everybody. He does not approve of everything everybody does. There is a difference. Does Jesus accept you? Yes. Does Jesus accept somebody in the LGBTQ lifestyle? Yes. Does he approve of them and everything they do? No, he does not. But yet there are Christians that are like, come on, we just accept it all. And they are watering down the gospel. They're watering down the message. And we wonder why we are not seeing the impact. You see, here's the thing about tolerance. Trends have taken the place of the truth. Verse 25, but hold fast what you have till I come. You see, why are we so tolerant now? Could it be because tolerance is trending and truth is declining? Tolerance is just a trending topic. It's just trending. We just want to be trendy. Nothing wrong with being trendy, except when it goes in the way of our values and our morals and things that could erode it. There are things that I don't want to be exposed to and I don't want to expose other people to, and so we are called to a life that is different. That's what Christian community is called to. But yet here we're being warned that tolerance is this perfect word, isn't it? It's the perfect word. Like who wouldn't want to be tolerant? One person said today, what you have today is a war of words and semantics. You got to find the right word and you can swing anybody to your cause. I'll tell you this. Adolf Hitler did not come out and say, hey, I want to kill all the Jews. That's not what he said. That's not how he went about it. Not at all. He started to use language that 
all of a sudden, the public in that time, they had just recovered from World War I. Everybody was poor. There was no money. You know, the, 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 the leader had just left. He left Germany. He'd just gone. And Adolf Hitler was like, our leader's gone. We have, we have nobody, so I got an idea. I know, how to, I know how to fix this. The only people that were doing well were the Jewish people. He said, oh, I, we're going to blame it on them. We're going to say they took it from us. And we need to get rid of them to get it back. You see, understand, Satan knows, I just got to get you with the right words. I just got to use the right words. And if I could just sow these words, then you start justifying it. Instead of just calling it what it is. You see, we, we wouldn't go around just saying, oh, man, me moving in with my boyfriend and girlfriend and having an illicit relationship, oh, that's, that's pornea. If you just called it out, all of a sudden you might be like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know if I like that. Or if I just walked up to you and just said, hey, how's that pornea relationship going with you? <laughs> going well? How secure do you feel in that relationship? That's what God calls it. Hey, how's that drug addiction, man? Yeah. I see all the holes in your arm. I see in the veins. Want me to help you with that? Want me to help you get that vein going for you? Get it bulging? Why, why, why don't I help you? Hey, I got a belt. Let me get that. All of a sudden, people are like, whoa, what? What is happening here? But yet instead, we're just like, oh, man, I'm praying for your struggle. Oh, man, you're going through a struggle right now. What struggle are you going through? You're like, here's my arm. Where's the vein? Come on. That's where we're at. Like, oh, man, pray for me, Pastor. You know, I'm just really struggling. I'm just really struggling. You know, I just can't keep my purity. You are giving it up every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like, you're just... You're like, hey, it's open season. I don't even care. I'm just out there. And our culture is just, yeah, that's, that's good. What if we just called it out? I know, this doesn't preach well. Man, wish I had a happy little sermon for you. Wish I had a feel-good sermon. This is hard. Because as a pastor, I do love everybody. But just like I don't love everything that I do, I don't love everything that you do. You know who we get that from? Our Father, who loves us, but he doesn't love everything we do. But you know what he loves about us? He loves the Imago Dei. We're created in his image. So when we look at a person, we see the image of God, and we can love that person. Rod and I were out at the land, and some guy just came, and he was harassing us, just super bothered. And I have this trick, because I, I get to run in with unusual people. I got this trick. People upset me. I picture them as a little kid. Like a little cute two, three-year-old kid. You picture their high little voice? It's better than picturing people naked, okay? That would just be bad. Oh, I just picture people naked. Like, what is wrong with your pastor, you know? So it's better that I picture him as a little kid. And then you don't get mad at him. You're like, I bet once this was like a cute little nice kid, you know? Just like a cute little nice kid, not this punk in front of me. And all of a sudden, you could just look at him and just like, oh, I pray for this person. I can show them the love that Christ wants me to have. And we can not just tolerate them. Because I want to get beyond tolerance, honestly. I, how, how great is my marriage if I'm like, well, honey, I just tolerate you? That's not going to work. That's not going to thrive. That's not, that's not going to create a loving environment. 
But it's something that, hey, guess what? I really love you, and I'm going to work at loving you, and I'm going to grow in that. But there's some things we can't have in this relationship. There's some things that we want, and we got to fight for. There's some things we got to do differently. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying tolerance is acceptance, but it's not agreement. Tolerance is, a, is acceptance, but it's not approval. Sadly, we've become so tolerant, more tolerant than Jesus. You see, lastly, truth, and notice this in verse number 26 to 29, truth shows tolerance only to what is true. Jesus shows tolerance to only to what is true. Let's look at these last few verses together. Verse 26, and he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Verse 29, he says, he who listened to the Spirit. He didn't say, Hey, whoever listens to Jezebel, as long as you're also listening to the Spirit. He didn't say, hey, bring them both. He said, hey, if you're listening to the Spirit. Christians, all of us need to be listening to the Spirit. You can't follow Jesus and Jezebel. That's the crux of this letter. You can't follow both. But we live in a culture that says, hey, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Jezebel. You've got to have my Friday nights. Got to get a little bit. Got to get my fix. And Jesus is looking at his bride, his church, and he's saying, hey, I want you guys pure. I want you guys white. I want you a, a, a chaste bride. But yet we as a church, we're trying to come back to this word we used last week, and we're trying to blend it all. And Jesus is saying, hey, why are you tolerating that? Why are you allowing that in your life? Why are you allowing that to take root and take hold? Because you can either have Jezebel or you can have Jesus, but Jesus is not going to allow you to have both. He's not. And that's what's so frustrating about the Christian life, and let's be honest about it. The frustration with the Christian life is that we vacillate between the two because at times we would rather have Jezebel than Jesus. And that's the truth because that's the reality of our flesh. At times we would rather have this Jezebel spirit than have Jesus. So when those times come, we need to have safety and barriers. It's why if you were to get on my laptop and you were to type in pornea, you're going to get nothing. It's all filtered. And my wife's phone's going to get a little alert that says he typed in porn. And then she's going to come over to me. Yeah, she's got a tight, le tight leash on me. You could go on my phone and you could type in porn. There's no search browser on my phone. You could go onto my iPad, type in this. There's only Disney Plus. That's all that's on there. There's nothing. Because she knows I'm going to have weak moments. You're going to have weak moments. So when those weak moments come, I've already got a guard. You see, what we do is in moments when we feel strong, at those moments, we're like, oh, Satan can never get me. I'm ready for Come at me, Satan. Satan's like, I'll wait. I'll wait till you're weak. I will wait until you are weak. Like, oh, man, I'm not going to do that sin. I'm not going to do that sin. Oh, it's been two weeks. All of a sudden, everybody sees you. You're like, why are you sweating like that? Ah, you know, I'm fighting through this, you know. I'm not sinning, not sinning, you know. And at that point, you're just like, oh, man, I can barely contain myself. Just can't wait to sin. Jesus, take the wheel. Never mind, Jezebel, take this wheel. There's a reason they call it a sex drive. The only problem is if you let sex drive. You see, we've let that drive us today. 
and we wonder why we don't have happy and fulfilling relationships. You see, Jesus wants you to say, hey, Lord, I'm growing in my love and my relationship with Jesus. I will tell you this. I begin to realize that your life and my life works in cycles and rhythms. So I know when I'm under a lot of pressure and a lot of stress, I got to get to the gym or I got to get in the word. I know there's some things that I got to do to take care of me. Otherwise, I'll fall into sin. You have to know yourself. You have to know your weak points. But as Christians, we're like, well, Jesus just tolerates everything, right? I could just ask Jesus for forgiveness. Then you're never getting victory over it. You see, you and I, we think victory is where we just kind of take the weed in our life and we just kind of trim it. God's like, no, 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 victory is when you remove the weed out of your life and then you're always watching to see if anything's springing up in your heart. That's victory. Where you're like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm catching it right away. I'm ripping that out. I'm not going to allow that porn to take. I'm not going to let the drugs. I'm not going to let the alcohol. I'm not going to let the lying. I'm not going to let the jealousy. I'm not going to let any of that sin take root in my life. I'm, 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 I'm getting victory over it. I'm constantly. You see, the Bible is teaching us to put on the whole armor of God. And I was talking to Rocky, and he shared a pivotal point of this. I've shared it with you. There's five pieces of defensive armor, and there's only one piece of offensive weaponry. Because we're going, to attack, we're going to be attacked way more than we're going to do the attacking. So we need to have the whole arm of God to be able to stand. But yet most Christians are like, we just need to tolerate everything. We just need to tolerate it. And we wonder why churches today, we're like, man, well, church today just doesn't seem all that different from my office. And then just anything kind of goes. And they kind of hide it. And I know what we've done. A lot of pastors today, and I'm guilty of doing it, will upsell the positives of Jesus and downplay any of the negative things. And I'm not going to upsell it. Jesus is saying, hey, this woman, this spirit, I'm going to judge it. But then he says, hey, for those of you who aren't trying to blend, who are trying to do the right thing, guess what? I will bless you. You see, your heart and my heart is a bad judge of truth. And that's what we rely on. We rely on, man, I just got to feel it. Man, if it feels like it's right, then I'll do it. And that's what culture does. If it feels right to you, then do it. If it feels good, then do it. One Snapchat that's pretty popular right now about uh, this LGBT stuff, they were like, hey, man, if I'm, like, if I'm in the moment, I'm, I'm lesbian. If I'm in the moment, I'm gay. I'm bi. I'm this. I'm that. Like, it, it changes. What? Is that, is that where culture's at today? We're just all over the place? Is that where Jesus wants you to be? Is that how he designed us to be? But yet, we are allowing our young people to be exposed to this. Parents, if your child has Snapchat, I'm going to be the old fuddy-duddy and say, hey, check on that and probably delete that. That's all I'm just going to say right there. Like, 99.9% of it is just not healthy for your child. It's just not. They got limits when your child can drink and when they can smoke, but yet the most vital thing about your child is their mind, what they're being influenced by, it's even more important because it decides everything else about them and you're allowing them to be influenced by all these voices. And you think, well, it's just Lady Gaga. Music is good is one thing, but all the rest that comes with it, I don't know if you want that in your life. I don't know if you would tolerate that Jezebel spirit. And you're allowing these gates into your house. You're allowing this stuff in. And so you and I need to be on guard for the future of our children. I have Fortnite on my house, all right? I don't know if you guys knew what Fortnite is. Uh, apparently, you can go into a creative zone, and you could just talk to people. Well, Austin got in trouble, so for three months, he's not allowed to play Fortnite. But Kane is learning how to play Fortnite. Kane's four. 
King got on Fortnite. He got into creative, and we just heard him talking to people. We're like, who's he talking to? And it was this voice, uh, Votnia, I need your credit card. And I was like, what? There, you know, he's just like, he's just talking to random strangers. Uh, social security, ask your parents for it. You know, I'm just like, and Cage is like, hi, you're my friend. You know, and I was just like, who is he talking to? How did he figure that out? Who's influencing? I don't know who this, who this noob master is. That's actually a character from Marvel. But anyway, it's a, a, I don't know who these people are. So immediately we shut it off. I don't know who these people are talking to. Who are you allowing? Who are you tolerating to influence you? I'm beating a dead horse here. I need to wrap things up. The heart of it is, and this is where Christians have a hard time. We think this. We think, I've got to be tolerant, Pastor. But I need you to understand something. You can be compassionate without compromising. And that's what the church has lost sight of, that you can be compassionate without having to compromise. It's why I will preach a message hard like this, but then in two weeks from now, we will serve our community backpacks. You're saying, you don't make sense, Pastor. No, no, I think there's a right balance. That the people that get backpacks, it's not like we check and say, hey, man, when's the last time you went to church? When's the last time you tithed? When's the last time you served rich kids? No backpack for you or your kid. No, no, it doesn't matter. We give them a backpack because we want them to have Jesus. It doesn't matter. But yet they come to a church, and I'll open it, and I'm not going to hide. We, it wasn't like, hey, I'm here to bash on some group. That's not it at all. It's we're just marching through the Bible, and this is what Jesus wrote, and we're just marching through it. But that's the, the, the balance we as a church have, that we are grace with truth. We don't dip one side to the other. Some churches are all truth, and there's no love and no grace and they've lost their influence. Some churches are all grace, no truth, and they also have lost their influence. Because people go there and like, they don't stand for anything. My wife and I, we were talking about a pastor we used to both love to listen to. I'll listen to his messages and I'm like, he's not saying anything. He's just talking. Nothing means anything. You've got a purpose. God has a plan for your life. Say Jesus, Jesus. What did he say? He didn't call me to anything. So I have a plan and a purpose in my life. That it? That's it? That's all I need to know? That's it. For the rest of my life, that's all I need. And I just keep coming back to you. That's it. No, no, there's, there's far more for us. Because when culture tells us just to be tolerant, we say, yes, I am tolerant, but I'm not more tolerant than Jesus. And when people challenge us, we say, hey, how tolerant do you think Jesus is? And I know it's hard to get comfortable with confrontation. And maybe that's going to be the hard part this week for you. It's because you know the moment you say, I'm not going to be as tolerant as I have been. Maybe there'll be some things you say, man, we used to love this TV show. We're not going to watch it. And we used to indulge with these friends and some things. That behavior always led us down a path. We always regret it. Understand this. Jesus wants you to have a joy that you don't have to feel bad about. And if the joy that you're partaking, you have to feel bad about it, is it worth it? Full transparency. Man, you start looking at porn, and you're just like, man, that feels good. And right after, you're like, oh, I'm so dirty, I'm defiled. What did I do? Uh, I just don't even want anybody to see me. Just strangers. You don't want to be around them. You just want to hide. Which is like, you believe you did that. Any sin grieves you. Jesus doesn't want that for any of his children. He wants you and I to say, hey, when it comes to this thing of tolerance,
that's the hardest thing for the church to walk right now. It's hard. But understand, Jesus' words, they're convicting this passage. These words hurt me this week. But I'm going to tell you, these words, they hurt, but they brought that healing. There was a man who watched his daughter get stabbed four times. stabbed his daughter he went over to the man and gave him a hug he said what kind of man hugs the man who stabbed his daughter because there were tumors in his daughter that they needed somebody to cut it out see Jesus words will wound at times I'm feeling the conviction I'm feeling it about the things that I'm allowing and I'm tolerating this message weighs heavy think this is fun, but yet Jesus' words, even though they wound, they bring that healing side on the other side. So right now, we come to Jesus and we say, all right, Jesus, there's some things you got to cut out, and it's not going to feel good. This is heavy. This is hard. But God, even though it hurts, there's a healing that comes with it. There's a healing. Because God loves you. But his love does not allow you to destroy your life. His love has a limit that says, I'm not going to watch you just ruin your life. If we were totally tolerant, we would say, all right, King, go ahead, play on the 101 freeway. Have a good time. I'm a tolerant parent. No, 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 you're a terrible parent. God looks down from heaven and says, hey, I gave you this book. If you will live your life according to it, I'm not saying it's easier. I'm not saying that. He never once said, you follow this, it'll be easier. It'll be harder, my friend. It's not going to be easy. But God is saying, hey, you won't look back in your life and be like, oh, man, wow, I regret all this and that. No. It's a life with less regret is what it is. Let's all stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. Worship team, if you come to the front. place where the word of God is opened, read, and it's challenging, it's hard, and you're like, man, pastor, this is one Sunday I brought a visitor. My visitor ain't never coming back. I know. I feel bad for you and your visitor. Have a good time at lunch, though. That shouldn't be awkward. But at the same time, I want you and your visitor and your friend to know we're a church that does care deeply about there have been times our church could have had more and done more, but we decided that we'd buy Christmas trees and bicycles and backpacks and we'd go serve our community. We'd leave to go on missions trips to foreign countries. That, that's the heart of our church. But we believe that we can have compassion and not have to compromise. And we don't think we're better than anybody. As a matter of fact, we have been very honest that we know where we're weak and where we're growing. But at the same time, we want to be a church that doesn't let us fall into this extreme of total tolerance that we just tolerate everything we can't there's got to be boundaries and these boundaries are found in the bible and i know we live in a culture that says the bible is irrelevant it was written by man it's not pertinent but i'm old-fashioned enough to know that this bible has saved my marriage this bible has kept me on the right path this bible has kept me out of addictions this bible has saved my life countless times. I've dedicated my life to teaching and preaching and living by it. And 
we call everybody at Southridge to that same standard that we say, what does God's word say I want to follow? And that's our goal. And so that's what we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray, God, help me to be as tolerant as you are, but not more. Help me only to tolerate the things that you want me to tolerate. Help me to tolerate, not sin, but help me to tolerate the people that I need to love them and encourage them to be reached. And so that's our heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray right now that you would meet and move. God, we need you in this place. God, it's so hard to stand for truth, but yet your word calls us to live for truth and not be focused entirely on tolerance. We live in a culture that just says it's all about tolerance, and the Christian is getting lost in all of it. And we need to step back and say, what am I tolerating in my life? What am I allowing? And God, would you start to do a work? I talked about the things in my life that were personal to me. But God, every person here has their own thing that they're tolerating, that you need to work on their heart. God, you've got to do the work. And so, Father, I pray that they would simply say, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, you get free reign. That, God, my heart is open to you. Whatever you want in my life, that's what I'm going to do. And, God, may they surrender to you. May they do what you've called them to do. So, Father, even though this message was hard, it's challenging, and it even hurt, that, Lord, we know that your heart is that your hurting leads to our healing. Your word says, by his stripes, we are healed. And so, Father, we trust you today. We pray that you would do that redemptive work in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing another song together, and I'm going to come back with some announcements. But as we sing, let us sing with hearts that say, God, I'm surrendered to you. And if you need to, you say, hey, I need to make an altar in my seat, you can. I'm going to stand right down here. If you want somebody to pray with you, I'll be right here. I'll pray with you. But unless you're reading the screens, would we just stay in an atmosphere of just prayer and contemplation before God and give somebody some privacy that may want to pray in this moment? I just feel a heaviness in the room. But I just want us to be receptive to what God has. So if you're reading the song on the screen, go for it. If you've got it memorized, maybe we just close our eyes and sing softly. Let's just give people around us that may need to pray uh, just a moment. And I'll be right here if you'd like to pray. But right now, let's sing together this last worship song. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting southridgesanjose.com slash connect. Again, that's southridgesanjose.com slash connect.